Hi there, this is Roma Waterman and you're listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. I'm believing this podcast will help you to understand and flow in the power of Holy Spirit-led worship in your church and in your private worship time. In this podcast, you're going to get a big dose of theological foundations, personal stories and practical applications that you can implement straight away to activate the power of prophetic worship that will bring healing, breakthrough and deliverance in your communities and your personal life. I hope as you listen, you'll also feel inspired and empowered. This is Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. Hi friends, welcome back to the Release the Sound podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about how to create a flow in prophetic worship. We're going to answer these questions today. And here they are. When we feel unsure, how do we create a flow during our worship times? How do we transition between songs? How can we partner with what God is doing? How can we bring in more of what God wants to do when we feel his presence strongly? And is there a framework or a set of ideas that we can use to help us step into what God is wanting us to do? If you've asked these questions, these are questions I've asked myself too. And in my 30 years of leading worship, I have contended to find ways to usher in the presence where there's no restrictions based on me or my personality. And so I want to share with you seven things that I've learned as a worship leader that I believe will help you to create a flow in prophetic worship. And if this is a topic that you're really interested in, make sure after the podcast you head to training.romawaterman.com. I actually have a course on this that has a downloadable workbook, and I've actually got several courses on prophetic worship that you can take a look at. So here are some of my ideas on how to create a flow during worship, that prophetic flow. Number one, and it's a simple one, creating a flow starts with partnering with him. And to do that, we need to know him. Now, you might be rolling your eyes right now going, well, that's just common sense. But I really think that a lot of times we have this mindset without realizing that we are working for God not working or partnering with God. And when we have that framework in our mind where we're working for, we're doing a job, we want to please him. When we have that as our mindset, it's a whole different framework than partnering with him. When I partner with him, I know his heart. When I partner with him, I can understand what he's thinking and feeling. And, you know, when we have this partnership, as opposed to I'm an employee doing a job, it helps me step into an authority that's only reserved for those closest to the Lord. And I want to say this to you, and it might be again simple, but I want you to know this. He wants to reveal himself to us. And how we partner with that is up to us. The first step in knowing what to do is really getting to know him aside from our creative gifts, aside from our times of corporate worship, because the more that we know him, the more confidence we'll have to know what he wants and how he wants us to minister in certain situations. And I'm saying this not to bring any condemnation because we've all been there, right? We've all been in that space where we feel far from God because of 
life circumstances or choices that we've made or life's been so busy, we haven't had that time with him that we should. I'm actually sharing this not to condemn. I'm actually sharing this point to encourage you that when you feel unsure, just remember this, no matter what, he is waiting to reveal himself. He's not trying to hide from you. He is always wanting you to have more of him and he wants us to know him. He wants us to be aware of who he is and what he is doing. How do I know this? You know, it's all through the scripture. Let me read a couple for you. Amos 3 verse 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Daniel 2 verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Amos 4, 13, he who forms the mountains creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. He who turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. He is revealing his thoughts to man. Proverbs 29, verse 18, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are blessed. And John 14, verse 17, he is the spirit who reveals the truth about God. The world can't receive him because it cannot see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and is in you. I could keep going, but there's a few to encourage you that he wants to reveal himself and that creating that prophetic flow starts with partnering with him. Number two in creating a prophetic flow in worship is this. Prayer and worship is a dialogue, not a monologue. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. We don't have to always be talking at God in our times of worship. This is a conversation. Worship is a dance of divine communication between you and your congregation and the Lord. What does this mean? Well, you probably don't need to fill up everything with a song or fill up everything with words. Now, we have created a culture in the Western church where this is what corporate worship looks like, what worship on a Sunday looks like. We sing our four songs and we go through them and then we sit down and we have the word. And of course, there's beautiful things about that. So don't hear that I'm putting that down. But what would happen if we realized it was a conversation. It was a dialogue. There would be an ebb and flow between you and dad. It would be an ebb and flow between hearing the father's voice and him wanting to say something as we worship him. So creating space to listen as well as speak or sing is so important. How does that look practically? Don't be afraid of silence. It's actually okay to have space. You know, we often practice our songs but what would it look like to practice in our rehearsal times, space or silence? You know, I find in the moments of rest and quiet with the Lord that he is so willing and ready to speak. And you may have heard this term before, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? He is not going to butt in like an Italian, like myself. <laughs> he will wait until you ask him a question. He will wait until you give him the space to speak. But if we don't have that space... Maybe he's not speaking because he can't get a word in. 
So we're not having a conversation with him. What happens is we're talking at him and we don't want that. We want our worship, times of worship to be a dialogue. Now, I don't know about you, but this was a huge revelation to me when I experienced this and understood this, that I'm not here to do a job. I'm not here just to sing, 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 glorify, glorify, glorify. Of course, I'm there to do that. But there's this whole other space of expecting and allowing God to speak to him. And we bring glory to him because he longs to respond out of the overflow of his heart as well. You know, worship to him is our overflow of the heart. What about the overflow of his heart? What does he want to say? And so having that silence is really, really important. You know, I have this beautiful memory. I've got a few memories like this, but but this particular one stands out to me where I had this experience and it was so beautiful. I was in the middle of leading a song at a conference and in the middle of that time, you've probably felt like this. I just felt a shift take place in the worship and it, it just felt like like the doors of heaven opened and we were in the throne room. That's how it felt. It was just incredible. But what was most surprising to me was the congregation at this moment were really the people in charge. It wasn't me, the worship leader. They were really leading the song and I was being carried along by their adoration of Jesus. And it was such a beautiful time. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, I'm not really in charge here. And so I kind of just stepped back a little bit. And when we came to the end of this particular song, the band and I were ready to step into the next song or do something. Have you ever done that? You're like, oh gosh, I've got to keep stewarding this. I better do something. Have you ever had that feeling? You just have to make sure that we're ticking all the boxes. And I heard the Lord laughing at me as I was thinking this in my mind. And all of a sudden, a dialogue took place. So it wasn't monologue, it was dialogue. And he went, Roma, you don't have to do anything right now. Can you just stop and enjoy? Because I'm really liking this space. I'm enjoying what the congregation is doing in adoring me right now. Honestly, I felt a bit vulnerable. I felt a bit nervous, but I put the microphone down and I just waited and I wondered what is going to happen next? It was electric. It was so beautiful. This is what happened. There was about two to three minutes of complete silence, but it wasn't awkward. It wasn't uncomfortable. It was holy. The air was thick with the presence of the Lord. It was just beautiful. Then all of a sudden, after that long few minutes, because that in a service can seem like a long time, but it was so thick with the presence of the Lord, After those few minutes, spontaneously, the congregation just started to sing spontaneously to the Lord. They started to speak in tongues. They started to sing, you're worthy, you are holy. And at first it was just small, you know, it came from different parts of the the room. But then eventually it was this loud throng of adoring voices, lifting up their voices to heaven. And this went on for actually quite some time. And I, I think from memory, we didn't even get to the next song. I didn't lead anything. I just stood there weeping and just watching the congregation adoring the Father and feeling the pleasure of the Lord over his people. And you know, sometimes leading is really getting out of the way. So don't be concerned about that space and silence. You know, as I look back on that moment and I think about that beautiful memory, I wonder what would have happened 
Instead, if I had not allowed that pause, if I had just gone, got to keep going, got to keep moving. And what would have happened instead of God speaking, instead of that ebb and flow of of divine communication, we would have had a monologue experience, not a dialogue experience. You're probably understanding and gathering by now, if we're not listening as well as leading, we just go through the motions of leading worship. Number three in my tip for creating a flow in prophetic worship. If it's not working, move to the next song or move to the next section. Now that might seem counter to what I just said, but really if you're not feeling it, now why are you saying, Roma, you're going by your feelings? I want to say something to you. Feelings that are under the authority of the Holy Spirit are not bad. God didn't create body, soul, spirit as three separate entities. You are one person and he didn't just create your soul and your spirit. He created you as a three-part being. And I think that we have underestimated that feelings that are led by Holy Spirit, they can be used as prophetic openings to understand what the Father is doing. Not everyone experiences the Lord like that. We all have different uh, receptors for hearing the Lord. But if you're feeling like this isn't working, I know I have to get to the end of this song. You know what? Maybe you don't. Maybe ask the Lord, do I just need to move to the next song? Sometimes, you know, I will come to leading worship and I'll have my set list and I'll think that that's what the Lord wanted me to do as, as the songs for the service. But I'll get to the second song and go, you know what? I think we just need to get out of this space and move to the next song. So let's not get stuck. You know, sometimes we can also even get stuck in a spontaneous moment that's actually going nowhere. Spontaneous worship is beautiful, but sometimes when it's not really Holy Spirit led, like sometimes we're just doing it because we don't know what to do. Okay. And this can actually distance people from their worship experience rather than help them draw closer. So if you're feeling like this time of free worship or this song is not working, it's actually okay to move to the next song. It's totally fine because we're not performing, are we? We're actually just trying to be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit wants us to go. And, you know, we can think we're singing something that is anointed. And as we're doing so, the congregation's sitting down, they're disengaging, they're yawning. We don't want that. We don't want to become self-indulgent worshippers who are enjoying our little space on a platform, but no one else is really understanding what's happening. Our whole goal when it comes to leading worship and leading others in worship is that we are helping take them into the presence of of God. Now, in my own personal worship time, it's okay for me to do that. I can be as indulgent as I want. I just go where I want to go because it's just me and Jesus. But there's this dynamic of taking people with us that we always have to be mindful of, isn't there? So what may seem right and natural for us on the platform may not be the best expression for a congregation. Let me say that again. What may seem right and natural for us on the platform may not be the best expression for a congregation. So you might go, I just love the spontaneous. I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm just going to get caught up in this. But people are going, whoa, I don't get this. Or maybe they're just not at the place or you are from a denomination or you're a part of a church where this isn't common. 
you have to have the grace to understand that that's not what we're there for. We're there to lead them. We're there to serve them. And so if we're sensing that there's a disengagement, if there's a disconnection, make the change. Step out of that spontaneous moment. Make the change. Step into the next song or the next part of our service And then what happens is our role becomes as a servant to the people. And we want that. We're serving the Lord. We're ministering to the Lord, but we're also, we're like a stepping stone for people. You know, if you're listening to this, you are passionate about worship, but you know, there's many people that come to church and they've not listened to a worship song all week. They haven't been in a service. They're completely disengaged. And sometimes the gap is so wide that we have to stop running so fast ahead of them. We've got to come back and go, how can we help these beautiful people of the King enter into his presence in a way that's transformational? So that's number three. Number four in creating a flow in prophetic worship is allow a musical space, a selah moment, S-E-L-A-H. You probably know that Hebrew word, which means to pause and to think and to reflect on what the Lord is doing. And, you know, I've always believed that musical instruments don't just have notes. They actually can speak. They have a voice. Um, I've often heard a guitarist or a drummer play a musical interlude that was powerful and releasing something during our worship times. And if I am really continuing to listen intentionally, I can often get a sense of what an instrument's trying to say. It's like you're learning a different language. You know, when Italian might not be my first language, for example, but if I stop and I'm intentional, even though I'm not as fluent in Italian as I am in English, if I listen intentionally, I can get the gist of what is trying to be communicated. And I think the same thing can happen with instruments. Now, that might be strange, but you can actually workshop this. You can find that a group of people, for example, in a rehearsal, can often communicate what an instrument is trying to reflect. That's actually a great workshop. So you might say, okay, I want the guitarist to play over this person right now. And then I want everyone to tell me, what do you think that instrument was trying to declare over that person? And then have a discussion around it. You'll be amazed at what will come out. It's a whole new way of listening and a whole new sensitivity. And it always means being alert to what the Lord's trying to communicate. But those sila moments are beautiful, you know. And we we should never go up on a platform and go through the motions of just looking at chord charts or playing notes. It's really not enough. More of us needs to come to the table for the Lord to do something powerful. So If you're a musician listening to this, don't just let your instrument fly into the air without a target. Use your heart to play your instrument. Use your heart to play your instrument. Instruments have a voice. Here's another example from when we had this happen in a service. I was leading worship from the keyboard at a church I was ministering at. And as I was playing, I felt the Lord say, I want everyone to stop. Just stop playing. I want everyone to stop playing their instrument. And we were very blessed that that service to have a a violinist with us. And I heard the Lord say, I want that violin to play over that woman in the third row. 
Now, if I'm honest, I really didn't want to do this because the worship was beautiful. There was momentum. It was comfortable. And the thought of stopping everything and then explaining what we were going to do seemed really clunky to me. But how many of you had that experience where you're like, I just have to be obedient to this? And so even though I didn't want to ruin the moment, it was God's moment. So I, you know, I understand as I get older, what seems right in our eyes isn't always God's plan, is it? And so after having this little fight with Jesus on the platform in my mind, I asked the whole band to stop playing and I explained to the congregation, I said, I felt this, I feel this violin is meant to play over this woman in the third row. Now, I didn't give the violinist any prior warning. I don't even know if she'd ever done this before because I was a guest in another church and leading worship with their worship team, but she was beautiful. She, and I did not know this woman either. And so the violinist plays over this woman for about three minutes and it was so anointed. Oh my goodness, it was just beautiful. And it was so quiet in that auditorium. You could even hear the sound of the wood and the earthiness of the violin as the as this beautiful musician weaved their hands over this instrument and and after this this violinist played and finished we just continued with the rest of our worship time and on the night I didn't know if anything happened anything spectacular but a few days later I got this email from the pastor of that church And he said, Romy, you didn't know this, but that woman was actually my sister. Now, I didn't know that. And what else I didn't know was that in her younger years, she was studying to be a professional ballerina and she'd won a scholarship to go and work overseas and would often dance to classical music. And and then very tragically during her scholarship, she'd had an injury that meant she couldn't pursue dancing any longer and she was devastated And so when we asked her to stand and the violinist played over her, it was similar to the type of music that she would dance to. So none of us knew this, right? But then in that moment, she felt the Lord say, child, it's time to dance again. It's time to to no longer live in that sorrow, in that moment, but to rise up and dance with me. And even though we didn't know any of this, the Lord knew and he was showing her that he hadn't forgotten and that he still remembered that the unfulfilled dreams that were in her heart and he was mindful of them. Isn't that beautiful? Oh my goodness, don't we long for times like that? I feel like crying as I think about it, that we would have times of worship where someone in the congregation has a moment like this simply because we got out of the way, we created the space, we created the Selah moments for someone to encounter him and walk away never the same, to walk away remembering this moment in time as that moment for the rest of their lives where a transformation took place. May we always have those moments in our times of worship. Number five to creating a prophetic flow in worship is play and sing with unity and intentionality. Again, I know these are really simple, but I'm bringing them to the forefront and explaining them deeply so that you understand the importance of them. You know, it's really easy when you lead worship all the time or you're on team all the time to sing without direction, to just go through the motions, even though we love the Lord and we love, we're comfortable in that space. 
But there's something about having an intentionality. You know, often what we would do with our team is we'll say, what do you think the Lord wants to do today before we even start the service? And then we have that hanging in our mind as the centerpiece when we're worshipping through the whole service so that we sing with direction and intentionality. Now, imagine if the whole team has that suspended in their minds What can take place? You might have heard of of things like this happening outside of the church. I don't know if you've heard of the experiments of plants being spoken kind words over and how they flourish as opposed to plants that are not given any attention and how they wither and die. There's been experiments done, many studies over the year of the effect of intentionality over plants and even over water and how our words and our attentionality and our heart posture can possibly affect them. Now, this scientific experiment that I'm talking about in particular, there's been lots of discussion around it. Some people think it's great. Other people, you know, they are like, what? This is, is this really a scientific experiment? But one of the things that this gentleman actually found was that you could speak affirmative words, you could speak words of life, but if there was no unity amongst the people, it did nothing to the water or to the plants. But when there was intentionality, it caused the water to become purified or it caused the plants to grow. Now, regardless of what you think of that, it's an amazing analogy that shows us that unity intentionality affects what the Lord can do. And to be honest, It's through the scripture, isn't it? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I love studying quantum physics and I love studying all these kind of things on the power of sound because science really is just proving what the word has said all the time. And, you know, there's a scripture in the book of Acts that shows what unity and intentionality can do in one instance in the Bible. You'll know this, Acts 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they began, appeared upon them cloven tongues as of fire sitting upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love this, that the reason this took place wasn't just because they were spending days praying and seeking the Lord, but they were actually in one accord. One accord allowed a supernatural encounter that released the power to the early church. Wow. Now, what does one accord mean in this scripture? Well, it's actually a word, I'm probably not going to say it correctly, homothumadon. And basically what that word means, it refers to a group acting as one and describes entire harmony of views and feelings as well as the single view and feeling. But there was no division, no divided interest, no discordant purposes. I love that. And I love what French theologian and pastor John Calvin said in the Protestant Reformation, these these are his words. He said, the unity of his servants is so much esteemed by God that he will not have his glory sounded forth amidst discords and contentions. And I also love this quote from Dr. Larry Richards. He says, homothumadon 
is a compound of two words. Listen to this. It's so cool. To rush along and in unison. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded, which, while different, harmonise in pitch and tone. And as the instruments of the great orchestra blend under the direction of a concertmaster, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. What a beautiful analogy, homothumadon, this idea of rushing along and in unison, the passion and the intentionality that we can bring in worship as we all stand together in unity. All right, number six to creating a prophetic flow in worship. And this is going to seem counterintuitive, but it's this. Let the congregation know. You know, sometimes it's completely fitting to let the congregation know that you actually don't know what to do. I have noticed when I've done this, you know, at first I felt like it was, um, this is terrible and it goes into a, a working mindset. It's not very professional to not know what you're doing. Oh my goodness, cannot believe I even have thought like that in the past. But when there's been times when I've gone, hey guys, I, I can feel God and I just, I just don't know what to do right now. So I'm just going to pause. I'm just going to wait and let's see what the Father will do. You know, I have this memory of a time of saying that in my early years of leading worship and the congregation came alive. You know why? Because they they engaged. They were like, oh, okay, let's all seek the Lord and see what he wants to do. And they begin to contribute to what the Lord is wanting. And, you know, when I've been in services where I've felt that tangible presence of God affecting people, And it can be really hard to know how to lead the congregation, mainly because you don't want to do anything that hinders the presence moving, isn't it? That's really the reason why we go, what do we do next? We really want the Lord to move in a powerful way. And, you know, I've just noticed that in those moments in a service, you can go one of two ways. Either the leaders on the platform are not aware of their contribution to the spirit of the Lord moving, and they'll just keep going with a run sheet or a program. Or the alternative is that leaders pause, they become aware that God has a plan to reveal his love and they be transparent. It's okay for us to be transparent if we don't know what to do and we just sit and wait. You know, if we create that moment, I really believe the Lord never leaves us hanging. We're never, ever going to walk away going, wow, that was weird. You might do this. That was weird, but it was also awesome. (laughs) But you're never going to walk away not being met by God. So what do you do in that moment? Like what practically happens if you're feeling like that? And I just have complete faith that the Holy Spirit will direct us. I really do because I know that he wants to partner with us because we're his friends. We're his friends. So here's some questions that I ask myself. When I'm in moments like that, I might say, and you don't have to use all of these, don't get overwhelmed. This is just some of my process to give you an idea. In my mind, I'll say this, Lord, what are you wanting to do here? Or I might simply say, should I move, Lord, to the next song? Should I keep singing the previous song? Where do you want me to go here, Lord? Or should someone else on the platform sing something? Is this a moment for somebody else? You know, as leaders, it doesn't mean you're always the one doing the thing. 
It might be you going, okay, I'm the leader here. Lord, who are you wanting to highlight? What instrument are you wanting to highlight? What voice are you wanting to sing or speak out? Another question I might ask is, uh, Lord, are you trying to show me something different than what I'm thinking? Show me what you want me to see. Or it might be a teaching moment. Lord, do you want to teach me something? And, you know, I find that sometimes the Lord might even respond by asking us to do nothing. And that's really hard. I'll be honest. It's hard for a leader to do nothing. And part of that, it's not just because of what's happening on a platform. Part of that is because we want to honour our leaders who have asked us to do something a specific way. We may have a fear of man. And so we are frightened of what doing nothing might mean. But I also want you to know that there's always options in the nothing. We don't always need to know what to do next. We can actually be transparent. And sometimes it might simply just be that the Lord's calling you to be still. And, you know, the Lord loves space. I mean, look at the universe. He created space as part of his creation. You know, it's just incredible to think about that. We think about the things that God created in nature and across the globe and the planets but he also created the stuff in between. He created the gap. He created the space. Wow, what a revelation that is. He created the space. And so it's okay for you to not know what to do and search for what he wants to do in that space. Which brings me to the last and final point, number seven, in creating a flow in prophetic worship. It's simply just a comment. And that is this, if you don't know what to do, there might be a reason why we don't know. There might be a reason why we don't know. You know, there's been many times when I haven't had a response at all from the Lord when I asked those questions I shared. And, you know, you might just say, Roma, I'm so confused. You're saying do this, but then you're saying it might not work. Yep, I am saying that because God is not Here's the formula. Here's my 10 steps on how to do everything. It's ebb and flow. He is a real person, a real divine human and God at once. And he is full of personality. And I want to know what he's experiencing and what he wants and what he wants to do. And so it's going to be different every time. And so there has been times when I've asked those questions that I mentioned in point six and I'd really at the end just go, I don't really know. I'm just like, I don't know, Lord, what you want. And I'll tell you something. I'm beginning to become more comfortable with these moments because I realize the Lord wants to do something, not just for a group of people, but he also wants to do something in me. And so here's some things I learn and I am learning during moments when we just really don't know what is happening. He wants me to trust him. Will I trust him when my gifts and my talents are not able to take me in the congregation to the next place in a worship time? Do I still trust him? He wants to show me that he's the one in charge and that he really is the worship leader, not me. He wants to create space to allow me and others to perceive. He's teaching me what is happening in the spirit realm. And, you know, moments like that can cause us to stop and think and see with spiritual senses. He's actually training us. Wow. He's training the worship team to be more sensitive to the moves of the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more than that. 
but we don't have to feel that because we're leaders, we must have all the answers. And, you know, it doesn't mean you're not a strong leader. You can still lead well, even though you may not know what to do next in a service. Let's summarize what I've shared today in how to create a prophetic flow in worship. The seven points are creating a flow starts with partnering with him. Prayer and worship is a dialogue, not a monologue. If it's not working, move to the next song or section. Allow a musical space, a sila moment. Play and sing with unity and intentionality. Let the congregation know. And finally, if you don't know what to do, there might be a reason. I hope this has given you some more ideas in how you can create that beautiful conversation with the divine, the divine father who loves you and wants to see true worship in spirit and in truth in your churches. If you want to find out a little bit more, you can head to training.romawaterman.com. We've got a whole course on this topic with a downloadable workbook as well. And I just pray it's blessed you today as you release the sound of heaven in your churches, in your cities, in your homes, even your nation. Be blessed. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.